Welcome to church this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I just want to start by thanking uh, Paul for the great message that he gave us last week. And it really is a good reminder to not keep beauty hidden. Um, Feet Called Beautiful is the series that we are continuing on with. And Paul, your message just in um, how to take that beautiful news into areas that, that need it and, and not to hide it for ourselves, but to be generous in sharing um, the good news that God has to offer for us. So today we're going to be continuing on. Um, oh, hang on. My iPad lets me know when there's good specials coming up. Sorry, just give me a minute. Wow. I'll take three. No, 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 I'll take four. Well, well, that sounds too good to be true. And what my dad would always say to me is, if it seems too good to be true, then it probably is. When you look at ads, when you look at things in this, in this world that seem too good to be true, you often tend to look at it with a little bit of skepticism. If there's something that's being advertised, um, ooh, I'll take three. Oh, no, I'll take four. Wow, sounds too good to be true. Well, have you ever heard the saying, if it seems too good to be true, then it probably is? Why do we think that way? Where did that saying come from? Our natural mind is very, very wary of things that sound really good. We've learnt to assess things um, and have a natural scepticism because we've seen failed purchases. We've uh, been a part of false promoting and... Uh, underperforming um, promises that have been made to us. And so we've learned to question everything with this suspicious mistrust. So when it comes to believing something that sounds so wonderful, so, so amazing, it has no flaws, no deception, no lies, then we find ourselves questioning if it's a stitch up. So the advertisement that you just watched, I'm here today to tell you that it is true that there is no deception, there is no lies, and in fact, it's endorsed by our very own prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived in a time of turmoil and his people were in captivity and in distress. And Isaiah was given the news, the Lord saves. He was anointed to deliver that, that message. And Isaiah would stand with such optimism in front of the Israelites and he would declare God's promises over them. He would speak about God's redemption plan for them and how God's in the business of restoring and rebuilding their lives. And to a people in that moment in so much distress and turmoil, they would have thought that message was too good to be true. We're going to be reading um, out of Isaiah 61. So please open up your Bibles and join me. Isaiah 61. I just want to read through the first um, few verses just so you can get a really good setting of the message that Isaiah has been anointed to bring. 
Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, give them a garland instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they are called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I love that Isaiah sets the scene with who our God is. Isaiah wants us to get our focus on who God is and what he is about before we can understand the rest of this passage. The prophet Isaiah, yes, he was speaking to the Israelites and he was speaking to their current circumstances. But like anything that's prophetic, it has many, many layers. And so I suggest that this message is not just for the current, that current circumstances. It's for every generation that has been and is to come. The reference, when I was reading through this, um, the reference to the poor and the brokenhearted, the captives and the prisoners and those who mourn, I wanted to get an understanding as to who exactly are these people that Isaiah is um, preaching this message to. And this is what I came across. The reference to the poor, it is actually is not directed to the financially unstable like we might think that word poor means. He's actually directing this message to the poor in spirit. Sin is incredibly damaging and it impoverishes us. Our human nature casts us into poverty from birth. There is no prejudice. So we are the ones that are poor. The brokenhearted. This reference is to those who are heavy of heart, that have lost hope. And I know that I have been in that place many times, and I'm sure you have as well. We are the brokenhearted. Captives and prisoners. Well, sin oppresses us holds us captive. We find ourselves placing trust in the things of the world, trying to find our value in the things of the world. And by doing that, we actually end up imprisoning ourselves in false security and a false identity. So we are the captives. We are the prisoners. Those who mourn. When we experience loss of any kind, we experience grief. And sin always leads to loss. So our sinful nature leads us to a loss of peace. It leads us to a loss of life, a loss of truth, a loss of security. And therefore we find ourselves with a mourning spirit. We are the ones who mourn. Church, we have to recognize our sinful state. We have to recognize our lost state before we can appreciate the gift that God's about to give to us. Luke 7.41, Jesus is actually using a parable. He's telling a story to the Pharisee Simon to try and help him to understand a message. I just want to reflect on that quickly. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? And Simon replies back to Jesus, the one with the bigger debt. 
Do we have a good understanding of our own debt? Our perspective of our own personal debt will place us in a position of either receiving the fullness of salvation or missing it entirely. You can't understand the miracle of the gift that God's about to give us without understanding your actual great need for it. What's the gift? If we continue on through Isaiah 61, uh, back to verses uh, 3. It says he giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, joy instead of humiliation. A garland, just quickly, a garland is um, a decorative wreath that's made out of flowers and it was used for two things. It was used to add beauty to someone and it was also used to crown the victors of that time. Um, ashes. Um, were a symbol of uh, reminding us that we came from the dust and they were used in um, when you were mourning and also when a sin was recognized and you uh, were needing to go through a process of repenting and you would put ashes and dust all over your face um, until that time of grief or repenting had finished. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The oil of gladness is simply... Uh, an anointed piece um, that you get instead of mourning. Um, the garment of praise instead of despair and joy instead of humiliation. Now the word instead, which is used in every line here, um, means in place of or to substitute. So you give to God the things that weigh heavily on your heart. You give to him the sins that you've committed sometimes the sins that are committed against you. Um, you give him the morning spirit. Um, you give him your worries. And he exchanges them for something that is so perfectly gifted, it brings you abundant life. One of my favorite verses, John 10, 10, I have come to bring you life and life in all its fullness. Now, for those of you that are hearing this message, some of you, particularly if this is the first time you've heard this message, you may start having that feeling of, suspicious mistrust. This sounds too good to be true. Uh, it can't be real. You're saying that all I have to do is hand over to God all the things that bring me discomfort, despair, humiliation and shame and he's going to replace it with the opposite? Yes, it's exactly what I'm saying. But wait, there's more. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> the beautiful exchange just requires submission. It just requires a willingness to let go of the old to be replaced with the new. Um, what I love about this though is God will never ask you to give something up that he's not willing to replace with something better. Amen? Uh, probably, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago, um, I was invited to a friend's uh, 30th birthday party and it, we had to dress up as the theme alter ego. Now, I had to think about that for a while because there's many things that I'd like to be. Um, but the thing that I ended up settling on was a ballroom dancer, professional ballroom dancer. 
And um, so I had to kit myself out with the appropriate gear. And so I managed to um, borrow a proper ballroom gown dress, um, very high heels. And um, I got myself into the dress um, super tight, but I loved the sequence, um, the... Um, the sparkles all over it, the hosiery that kind of goes down your arms and legs to give you that perfect tan look. Um, I did my hair up beautifully with all, you know, pulled back tightly or with the big curls. And um, of course, to top it off, beautiful big heels. Well, it didn't take long into the night for me to realize, A, I'm not very good at walking in heels. Um, there's something very unnatural about high heels, I think. Um, and it didn't matter if I was dressed up the way that I was. I certainly couldn't twirl. Like I didn't have the flexibility of a ballroom dancer. Um, so I ended up um, partway through the night just feeling very, very uncomfortable. I, it just didn't fit me. It didn't suit me. And so I ended up pulling out my uh, headache-inducing hairdo and unzipping out of that incredibly tight dress and just kicking off my blistered high heel shoes and um, just putting myself into jeans and a t-shirt. Um, now I realize men, for some of you, you you don't understand what I'm talking about, the discomfort of heels and tight dresses, but I want you to imagine men this this morning. What if you had to go to your workplace completely decked out in scuba gear? Would it bring restriction to you? Would it bring discomfort, heaviness? Would it look and feel unnatural for the position that you're in? Absolutely. It's unnatural for you, right? And, and so is wearing things that are old. So is wearing rags. So why do we wear rags that aren't meant for us? Why do we desire things that are unnatural for us? Sometimes we've worn a rag for so long, it's, it's actually just become a false comfort and it's just become a way of living. Um, but it's so easy to take on things that were never designed for us to wear. They're uncomfortable, they're heavy, they don't fit us properly and they cause pain. Worry. A spirit of mourning. A complaining spirit. A jealous heart a self-righteous motivation, lustful spirit. It doesn't suit us. It was never intended for us. Six years ago, I had my most profound wardrobe exchange of my life, and some of you have heard this story. But I was struggling with the idea of being a pastor's wife, and I had started to develop a bit of a complaining spirit um, over the position that I held and I was jogging around the lake and God so clearly spoke to my spirit and said, Liz, you have a poverty mindset. I didn't understand what that meant straight away. I knew what poverty meant. I knew what mindset went, but I, I went back home and I thought I need to journal on this. God's trying to tell me something here. And as I journaled and started to write down what God wanted to show me, he spoke these words so clearly into my spirit. He said, Liz, you think you are a victim to a life of circumstances, but I say to you, you are an heir 
to a life of privilege. I just want to say that one more time. You think you are a victim to a life of circumstances, but I say you are an heir to a life of privilege. You see, I thought that I was a victim to the life of being a pastor's wife. And I had developed that complaining and worrying spirit. And when God showed me the alternative to the rags that I'd put myself in, I can tell you I had the fastest wardrobe exchange that I've ever had in my life. Now, if I'm honest, <laughs> um, I've got to tell you that that's not my first wardrobe exchange that I've ever had. Um, the amount of wardrobe changes that I've had over my Christian walk are many. So many, it sometimes feels like Groundhog Day. I just feel like I'm visiting the same moment all the time. Haven't I been here before? The truth is, is that it takes a little while to step into your new identity. Um, I often find myself picking up my old rags without thinking. Um, but then I start to identify that heaviness that I'm feeling, that discomfort, that struggling, that lack of peace. And God just comes alongside of me ever so gently and just reminds me, Liz, you're not designed for this. You were never meant to carry these things. And um, he gently shows me how to get back into that wardrobe and exchange my rags for my robes. So if rags brings discomfort and heaviness, then it's important to understand that a gown of righteousness brings joy and praise and freedom. After Isaiah speaks of this exchange, he gives us a glimpse in the mirror of what we're meant to look like. And so verse 3, um, he actually begins with a small picture. He says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. And when people lay their eyes upon you, they will know that they are looking at the planting of the Lord. Verse 7, as we continue on. It says here, you will be called priests and be named ministers. In other words, you're going to have purpose. You will rejoice in your inheritance. You're going to have kingdom access. I will reward my people. You'll have his favor. I love justice. You'll have his defense. I'll make an everlasting covenant. You'll have his promises. They are people the Lord has blessed. You'll have his blessing. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. You'll have joy. He has clothed me in garments of salvation. You'll have eternal life. When the exchange happens, we look in the mirror and we see beauty. We see oaks of righteousness. We see a planting of the Lord. We see an outfit that is custom made and we say it is good. Every day when I get for, uh, dressed for work, I have to remind myself, rags or robes? I'm so thankful for my position that I hold at Belmont Christian College. Um, I have daily opportunities to speak this message into the lives of teenagers, sometimes parents and teachers as well. We have people in our lives that are screaming out in confusion, in disappointment. They have a fear of who they are, where they belong, hearts that are filled with worry, hearts that are filled with dislike for themselves. They want to look beautiful. 
but they don't know how. There are people that you work alongside of that are dressed in rags and they are begging for an alternative. There are people in our lives feeling heavy-hearted, weighed down with worried. Um, they've, they are lost and, and are mourning people in need of someone to bring them the message, the Lord saves. We've been learning about feet called beautiful and it takes beautiful feet to carry a beautiful message. We need to present the truth as honorably as we can to glorify God and glorify his kingdom. Imagine for a moment trying to bring the good news to people with ashes all over your face. Imagine as you try to share with someone and declare to them the promises of God and how wonderful he is and how he set you free. And yet you've got ashes all over you. You're still dressed in your rags. People don't want a part of that. Now, Having said that, there's been occasions where I've gone to work with my rags on and you know what? God is such a God of grace. He's so big and he will still give you opportunities if you're willing to humble yourself and recognize where you're at. Um, he can still use those moments. But I want to wear robes. I want to go into all of the places that I do with a spirit of victory. I want to carry freedom and joy and peace and, and um, so that others can have a confidence in the message that I bring. I want to carry the beautiful news that will bring glory to God and his kingdom. So what do you choose today? Rags or robes? Perhaps this morning you recognize that You've actually never made this beautiful exchange before. But it sounds good and you want to be a part of it. And I want to encourage you, take that step. Some of you this morning find yourself in a place of shame, in a place of mourning, a heaviness of heart, and that's okay. It's okay to recognize that you're there. Recognizing is the first step in the process. But take time this morning to surrender this to God to recognize the discomfort and the lack of peace that comes with it and exchange it for the robes that are designed for you. God's exchange, kingdom exchange is always open at any time. Perhaps this morning you've thought that you were doing pretty good wearing your robes and you've identified that somewhere along the line there's a little bit of discomfort that you're feeling um, something doesn't quite fit right or feel right um, and perhaps you're having a groundhog day today where you're like how did I get here again um, and I want to encourage you to take time just to ask God have I taken on any rags again is there anything that I need to remove so that I can move into the fullness and the beauty of what you have in store for me if that's you this morning any of those three that I, I spoke about um, I just want to encourage you, we have people that want to pray alongside of you in this journey. And so if you click on live prayer, there's a live prayer button on your screen near the, the chat line. Please identify yourself to our prayer team and allow them to pray alongside of you. 
Um, we're in this together. We want to be beautiful together. And we, we want to be a church that encourages each other to step into beauty, to step into freedom, to step out of those rags and into robes. So I just thank you so much for being with us this morning. And I just want to close um, by praying for you this morning. So let's pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you so much for your word. Lord God, I want to thank you for the promises that you have laid out for us in Isaiah 61. Lord God, sometimes it seems too good to be true. But Lord God, you are a God of promise. You're a person of your word. And I just thank you, Lord God, that the things that we've read about, the things that we've learned about this morning are true. Lord God, that we can come into your presence and we can exchange our rags for robes. Lord God, we can lay at your feet the things that bring us shame, the things that have sent us into despair. Lord God, the things that have robbed us of joy. Lord God, the things that cause us discomfort. Lord God, that we can hand that over to you and you can replace it with robes. Lord God, I thank you that you continue to speak into our identity. You continue to encourage us, Lord God, of um, the beautiful gown that you have for us, the things that, that suit our nature in you. And Lord God, I'm just so thankful that we can trust you in all things. And uh, Lord God, we love you and we just thank you for the beautiful news. And we thank you, Lord, um, that we get to be beautiful feet that carry this beautiful news to those that need it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's just really great to be a part of this journey with you.